We are on week seven, part seven of our series. We're talking about the theology of the body of Christ. What is the body of Christ? What is the church? What is this all about? You know, what is the responsibility of each believer to the church? We've covered a whole bunch of stuff so far. Last week, we talked about the local church and the kingdom of God and making sure that we see the local church not as the last thing, but as something that's subservient in the kingdom of God, that there is the kingdom of God. We are citizens of heaven, but in this life, we serve that kingdom most often through the local church. So we see the local church as a expression of the kingdom of God on this earth. This week, we're going to talk about prosperity and responsibility. One of the things we've been discussing is the responsibility we have to the local church. What is the believer's responsibility to the local church? And that's something we're going to get into here today. So we as the church, we're a group of people who have pledged our lives to faithful service of Jesus Christ. So there's another definition of the church. It's a group of people who have pledged their lives to faithful service to Jesus Christ. This involves working together. It involves doing what God has called us to do, to be part of his kingdom. Things like uh, helping with missions and like the New Vision Children's Home. Today we talk about two aspects of this faithful service to Jesus Christ. Prosperity and responsibility. I believe that when we serve the Lord, when we pledge our lives to the faithful service of Jesus Christ, there are two things that come with that. There is prosperity that comes with that, and there is responsibility that comes with that. And I believe that those two things are intertwined, that they are absolutely together. So when you give your life to Christ, your life gets better. There are responsibilities that you grab hold of, but grabbing hold of those responsibilities makes your life better. Not always easier in the short term. Like, for example, just in the natural, if you want to get healthier, you're going to have to eat right and exercise, and that's going to be harder than not doing that in the short term. But as time goes on, as you're healthier and you have more energy and things are working better for you physically, then your life is easier. There's a payoff in the long run. There's responsibility and prosperity. And it's the same way in our faithful service to Jesus Christ. There is prosperity that comes with it, but that follows a responsibility. The investment that we put in, in serving the Lord, yields a return. So, for example, when you decide to give your life to Christ, to faithful service to Jesus, you're going to stop lying, stop cheating. You know, you're, you're going to be faithful to your spouse. You're not going to steal those sorts of things. So your relationships are going to get better. You know, when you first have to learn to stop lying, it can be difficult, it can be Harder than just going through the same way that you've always done things. But there's going to be a tremendous benefit because your relationships are going to get better when you stop lying and you stop cheating and you stop stealing. Your relationships are going to get much better. There's a responsibility, but then there's a prosperity that comes from that. Another investment that we give in our service to Jesus Christ is 
times of prayer and worship and study. And when we make that investment, we grab hold of that responsibility. Then we see that our spiritual life gets better. We put in the effort. There's an, a return on that investment and our spiritual life improves. And also when we give and we serve in the local church, this is a responsibility we have to take our place in the body of Christ and serve in whatever way that means. You know, so many people uh, give and serve in different ways, but we're all called to be productive members of the body of Christ. And so when we give and we serve in church, then our life gets better. Things improve in our lives. In fact, there's so many different psychological studies that have shown when you serve other people, it benefits you in your mental health and your well-being in tremendous ways. So God knew that. He set it up that way. When we serve and we give in the local church, there is a blessing that comes. There's prosperity that comes in our life. Our life gets better. So we have a responsibility to live our lives for Christ. Let's talk about that a little bit. We're going to go to Ephesians chapter 4 to get started with that. Ephesians 4, and I'm going to read verses 1 through 6. And this talks about the responsibility to live our lives for Christ. Ephesians 4, 1 through 6. As a prisoner for the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. So here the Apostle Paul is writing to the Ephesians as he's in prison. And he says, as a prisoner of the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling that you have received. And we see here that part of that is bearing with one another, keeping the unity, uh, the bond of peace. It's about taking your place in the group. That's a piece of living a life worthy of the calling that we have received. And then Colossians chapter one has some similar talk in it. And I just thought this was a beautiful section of scripture. So I want to read Colossians one, nine through 12. And it's along the same lines of what is our responsibility in serving Jesus, 9 through 12. For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives, so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, so that you may have great endurance and patience and giving joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. So here Paul is talking about praying for the church here in Colossae and believing that God is going to help them live a life that is 
worthy of the Lord and that they would receive all of these good things. So this responsibility to live for Christ, to live a life worthy involves fruitful service. As we saw here in Colossians, it involves being part of the group as we saw in Ephesians chapter four. But we also believe for good things in life. We understand there's a responsibility to God. Those who have pledged their lives to serve Jesus for faithful service to the Lord Jesus Christ. We also believe for a blessing. We believe for prosperity in that. We believe that our lives get better, that it's not just about uh, serving the Lord and sacrifice and pain, but that there is actual blessing with that. And I think one verse that really describes this incredibly well is Hebrews 11.6. Hebrews 11.6, I believe, is a great definition of what faith is. And it says this, And without faith, it is impossible to please God, because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. So faith isn't just believing that God exists, but believing that God is good, that those who earnestly seek God will receive a reward, that there will be a blessing, that there will be prosperity in serving God, that he causes us to prosper and to receive good things, to receive a blessing. But here's the problem. There's a problem with regards to responsibility and prosperity when people only expect one of the two, but not both. Again, I believe that they're intertwined, that the responsibilities that we have in the Lord produce a return of prosperity, that our lives get better when we faithfully serve the Lord Jesus Christ. But what happens if we have one or the other and not both? If you expect prosperity without any responsibility, then that's shallow and selfish. It's not something that is is going to produce a good return. And of course, God sees straight through all of that. If you want a blessing from God, but you're unwilling to faithfully serve God, to to put your faith in acting in the ways that God has called us to act and living a life worthy of the calling you have received. If you want the blessing, the prosperity without living in the responsibility, you know, that's just shallow and selfish. And we see God sees right through that. I'm going to use first Timothy six, three through five as our example for this one. If anyone teaches otherwise and does not agree to the sound instruction of our Lord Jesus Christ and to godly teaching, they are conceited and understand nothing. They have an unhealthy interest in controversies and quarrels about words that result in envy, strife, malicious talk, evil suspicions, and constant friction between people of corrupt mind who have been robbed of the truth and who think that godliness is a means to financial gain. So we see here a description of people who are absolutely not living for Jesus. They're not faithfully serving Jesus. There's all kinds of messes that we read about here. But yet these are people who think that godliness is a means to financial gain. So they don't want to live their lives for Christ in humble service to Jesus, but they're just trying to get a financial blessing from God. 
And that isn't something that works. Expecting prosperity without the responsibility is shallow and selfish. But then expecting to have to walk in the responsibility of serving the Lord without expecting prosperity, without expecting the return of good things from God, the reward from God, both in this life and in the age to come. If we don't expect that, then I think we get into miserable false religion. You know, this is something that really has plagued Christianity at least for centuries, maybe for millennia. I'm not really sure. But people who deep down honestly believe that if they give their lives to Christ, that their life is going to get worse, that it's just going to be miserable. It's just going to be hard. You know, maybe they won't go to hell, but man, is it going to be terrible until they finally die, you know? And that is a disastrous way to think about serving Jesus. The reality is, is that the responsibility and the prosperity go together. When we live a life worthy of the calling, then we start to see the return. We start to see the benefit. And so my example that I'm going to use for expecting responsibility without prosperity, I may be stretching it a little bit here, but I want to go to Matthew chapter 23. We're in the woes. Matthew 23 is just that recording of Jesus saying all kinds of things to the Pharisees and kind of chewing them out. But Matthew 23, 13, I think, describes this idea of just miserable, false religion. Says this, woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You shut the door of the kingdom of heaven in people's faces You yourselves do not enter, nor will you let those enter who are trying to. So this is a description of religion that does not make it all the way to God. It just is stuck in religious responsibility. But, you know, Jesus describes it as shutting the kingdom of God in men's faces, in people's faces, that you yourselves do not enter, meaning these teachers, these Pharisees, the religious leaders didn't enter the kingdom of God. They didn't make it all the way to God. They just were stuck in religion. And that to me is this responsibility, the religious responsibility, but not grabbing hold of the prosperity that comes with that true connection with almighty God with the good things that we can receive from God. So it's important for us to grab hold of both prosperity and responsibility. Because again, they go together. They are intertwined. If we have one without the other, it's going to be dysfunctional. So let's look at three areas of responsibility that we have with God. Three ways that we try to live our life in a way worthy of the calling we have received. Here are three areas of responsibility we have to God in how we live our lives. First one is moral responsibility. We're called to do the right thing. We're called to live right by God and by others. Moral responsibility. And Prosperity follows moral responsibility. When we take responsibility to do the right thing, then prosperity follows. First of all, other people benefit from you doing the right thing. Your family members are going to benefit if you do right. Your church is going to benefit. 
Your, if you're a student, your school is going to benefit. Your friends are going to benefit. If you're in the workforce, uh, your workplace is going to benefit. Everybody benefits when there is someone that does the right thing. When everybody does the right thing, it benefits everybody. So the first way that prosperity follows you doing the right thing, you living up to your moral responsibility to God is that it benefits other people, but it also benefits you. Prosperity follows for you because you get freedom and peace of mind. You're no longer bound by the sin of this world and you can grab hold of the good things of God, which brings us into a place of freedom, no longer bound to fail in those ways, but walking into freedom. And, uh, and it, that just brings peace of mind. And I've got kind of a fun example. I, this is a, a simple example, but I remember when I stopped speeding, you know, I used to drive as fast as the vehicle would go. And that was just how I did things. And the reality was, is you're always looking because you don't want to get stopped. You don't want to get a ticket, you know? So you're, you're always trying to figure out how to go as fast as you can. And then I just, you know, got saved and (laughs) started driving at a normal speed, you know, the speed of traffic. And then you don't have to look and see if there's a trooper around the corner, if the police are at, you know, at this stop sign or where you don't have to worry about it. And it brings a peace of mind because, you know, you, you got nothing to hide. You're just doing normal driving and it brings peace of mind. And that's a place of prosperity when we walk in moral responsibility You don't have to wonder if your spouse is going to find out. You don't have to wonder if your uh, workplace is going to find out and then you get fired. You don't have to worry about any of that. So you have peace of mind and that's an important part of prosperity. Then there's a spiritual responsibility. So three areas of responsibility. First, moral responsibility. We're called to do the right thing. The second is spiritual responsibility. And this is our responsibility as faithful servants of Christ to connect with God in prayer, in worship, and through studying the word of God. First of all, again, prosperity follows for other people. If you are growing spiritually, it's going to help you in all these other ways, which are going to positively impact your family, your workplace, your school, other people, and especially your church. You know, if we've got strong, spiritually strong people, then the church is going to be strong. Others benefit. And then you get wisdom and contentment as you grow in your spiritual life. You get wisdom and contentment 1 Timothy 6.6, we read 1 Timothy 6.3-5, which was talking about all these bad things and these people who thought that godliness was a means to financial gain. And then Paul says to Timothy in the very next verse, but godliness with contentment is great gain. Godliness with contentment. And we get that through that spiritual responsibility of worship and prayer and study, then we can get to that place of godliness with contentment. And that is a great place of prosperity. And then we have the responsibility to be faithful in our serving and giving to the kingdom of God. 
So three areas of responsibility. The first one, moral responsibility. The second one, spiritual responsibility. And then we have the responsibility to be faithful, faithfully serving, faithfully giving to the kingdom of God through the local church. Now I want to go to Mark chapter 12. This is just, you know, the main thing is to keep the main thing, the main thing. So I really like uh, the greatest commandment and then the second one also. So I like to read that periodically, but here we go. Matthew, I'm sorry, Mark 12, 28 through 31. It's just core, core teaching. One of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating, noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer. He asked him, of all the commandments, which is the most important? The most important one, answered Jesus, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. So how do we love the Lord with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength? How do you love the Lord with your strength? This is going to involve giving our time, our talent, and our treasures to the Lord. It is going to involve serving and giving in church. And then prosperity follows. Of course, other people benefit again If you're faithfully serving and you're faithfully giving, then you're going to be a great person to be around. It's going to benefit your family. It's going to benefit your school or your workplace. And of course, it's going to benefit your church. And we'll talk about that here in just a second. But you also get financial stability and purpose with that. Financial stability and purpose. Matthew 6.33, Jesus is talking in the Sermon on the Mount, and he's talking about people who are all worried about their their financial reality, what they're going to eat, what they're going to wear. And Jesus tells them to seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and that all these things will be added to you as well. So when we seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, when we live in that responsibility to be faithful, faithfully serving, faithfully giving, then we can trust God to give to us as well. And then Mark 10, 28 through 30, go back to the gospel of Mark, and uh, we see an incredible thing that Jesus says here in Mark 10, starting in verse 28. This is after the rich man came and talked to Jesus and and Jesus said, sell everything you own and, and come follow me. And he went away sad. He wouldn't do that. Then Peter spoke up verse 28. We have left everything to follow you. So Peter's saying, we did, we did that. We left everything to follow you. What happens to us? Verse 29, truly, I tell you, Jesus replied, no one who has left home or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fields for me and the gospel will fail to receive a hundred times as much in this present age. Homes, brothers, sisters, mothers, children and fields, along with persecutions and in the age to come eternal life. So there is financial stability and purpose when we live in the responsibility to be faithful. And then I want to talk just a little bit about God's financial plan. This is something that's very, very important to understand because God is about the win-win. 
God isn't about one person sacrificing while another person takes advantage of them. God is about the win-win. And here we see in Malachi chapter 3, verse 10, the idea of prosperity and responsibility being tightly interwoven. And it simply says this, Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. So the responsibility is the tithe. And that's a 10% of the increase given returned to the Lord. Now, if you're a tither, you know the blessing of that. And if you're somebody who uh, has struggled with the idea of giving of your financial resources to the church, then let me tell you this. I don't want you to feel any pressure to do this but I want you to grow in this area of generosity and of submitting your financial life to God. So pray about it and take the steps you feel the Lord is showing you to take. That's why when we pray for the offering, we pray that we would give as the spirit directs because when tithing is forced on somebody, it's incredibly destructive. But when we submit our financial life to God, then we get to see that our financial life gets better. And it's a blessing. And we want to live in that because we see the return of our investment of responsibility. So when we read these things, if you're a tither, I I just want this to be a blessing to you so that you can know the good things of God are coming. But if you're not, don't feel pressure, but feel empowered to grow in those areas. Just like when you submit your moral life to God, your moral life gets better. You submit your spiritual life to God, your spiritual life gets better. When you submit your financial life to God, your financial life gets better. And you want to believe for that. So when you tithe, submit your financial life to the Lord, you return that 10% of the increase to the Lord by giving to the local church or however you feel led in that way, uh, then We can believe God for the financial blessing. Here, the Lord says that he'll throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out blessing that, you know, seems obvious is more than the 10%. You know, you're going to end up better off. Now, tithing isn't the way to become a billionaire, but it's the way to be blessed in your financial life as God has you in that place. And then, of course, the blessing is not just for you, it also involves other people. A church full of faithful servants and tithers is very strong. A church full of people who serve and who give is very, very strong. That's so important. Good Hope Church here, through uh, the faithfulness of other people, was able to raise $9,000 for our virtual missions trip to the New Vision Children's Home. And this is above and beyond the regular giving that's been sustaining the church through this whole COVID time. So we're seeing people who are 
faithfully giving and we're seeing the prosperity and the blessing that comes to the New Vision Children's Home, to Good Hope Church as a local church. And then I believe, of course, to the giver who is blessed by God and the floodgates of heaven are opened and God's blessings are poured out. So that's God's financial plan. That's how it's supposed to work. It's a win for everyone. It's a win for the giver. It's a win for the church. It's a win for missions. And I've been tithing for 20 years. And I got to tell you, God has been blessing uh, my family and me personally through that. It's just an incredible, incredible blessing. The faithful servant who tithes can believe God for great material blessings. This isn't a loophole. It's a part of living life worthy of the calling. So you can't try to fool God like the first Timothy six, five people. Godliness is a means to financial gain. Tithing isn't a loophole. That's going to cause God to give you a bunch of stuff. It's part of faithful service to the Lord And it's part of receiving the prosperity of God. And I've got to say, I'm still humbled by people's faithfulness uh, to Good Hope Church through COVID, faithfulness in giving and their faithfulness in serving, though the areas of, of volunteering have been affected by COVID. And then when it's time to go back to regular, you know, live services, just all in, pack this place out again. Uh, Then we're going to need a whole lot more volunteers than we have right now. So when it's time for this COVID thing to be over, uh, let's be ready to get back in, in our uh, volunteering, in our serving at the local church. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for your grace and mercy. Thank you, Lord, that you welcome us into your kingdom, that you make us citizens of heaven, and that you give us the eternal inheritance that comes with your family name. What an amazing blessing. Help us to grab hold of it fully in all of the responsibilities that come with living a life worthy of the calling that you have given us as your children and help us to trust in the prosperity that comes and the blessings that come and the rewards that come for those who earnestly seek you. So bless us and encourage us. Help us to walk in your ways. In Jesus' name, amen.